take a girl and a guy and they fall madly in love and form a family. Sprinkle in some counseling degrees and a doctorate, a dream of transforming relationships as we know it. And 20 years later, we give you power couple Dr. Ray and Jean Ketkodian. And this is their podcast, Couples Synergy. Welcome back to another episode of Couple Synergy with Dr. Ray and Jean. I'm Dr. Ray. And I'm Jean. And this is our podcast about love, marriage, and relationships. Please check us out online at couplesynergy.com. And please subscribe to our podcast or send us any suggestions on topics you'd like to hear more about. And now on to Couple Synergy, an in-depth look at love, marriage, and relationships, where we bring you our experiences working with thousands of couples for over 15 years. Everyone says you need to work on a relationship, but nobody teaches us how. So we've created this podcast to teach people what they can do to create the relationship they've always dreamed of with the partner they fell in love with. In this episode, Gene and I will be talking about the topic of compromise. Sort of compromise, but also synergy, right? Synergy. That's like the, uh, that's a really awesome word. <laughs> His, hers, and ours. ours. Yeah. Which is very difficult for couples mm-hmm. to conceptualize and even more difficult for couples to create. Yeah, if you imagine a couple standing at the altar and behind the groom are his parents, his siblings. Behind them are his grandparents and cousins. Behind them are all his ancestors. And that's the tribe he grew up in and that's what he knows. That's what he's learned about being in the world and about being in relationship. And behind the, behind the bride is her parents and siblings and grandparents and cousins and all of the extended family that she learned her lessons from and now they come together. So you're talking about the merging, the merging of two different communities, right? Communities, Not just people, but systems, communities. All of it, yeah. You know, and the way you grow up, you don't really have access to other people's homes. You don't really know what time they're eating dinner or if they're sitting at the table or sitting in front of the TV or how they're doing things. And so you only know what you know and you think that's how everybody does it. Yeah, you know, I think that it's a it's a very difficult thing mm-hmm. for couples to do. Like even if you grew up in the same town and maybe your families knew each other. Right. Right? So there's a lot of similarities. You went to the same school. Mm-hmm. But it is ten times more difficult for couples to merge when they're coming from two different backgrounds. I think it's even more difficult if the tribe per se that you come from is extremely influential over your life. Like how so? If you're extremely uh, strict in a religion, if you are strict in a culture, then I think that the individual is not as prominent or as important the individual need as, as the tribe. And then if another person from outside the tribe comes in through marriage, it's a little tricky. So if there's a particular belief system mm-hmm. that the entire tribe shares, but the person coming into the family is of a different belief system. Right. Like we were just in Macedonia. Right. And there, at least in the, uh, the community that was the Albanian Muslim community. We were in Macedonia to attend a Macedonian wedding, Albanian Macedonian wedding. Right. Muslim wedding arranged. Right. Right. And you know, there, if you go out and you go to the coffee shops, there's only men. Right. 
and the women all sort of stay home. And so I'm there and I don't have a home to stay at or a place to eat at. So I had to go to a coffee shop, you know, and, and you're out of place there. You're out of context. And what's a normal thing for us to do here uh, stood out very much there. Right. And so I think that would be a tricky thing. Like, that's what I mean by the culture. Like, how how influential has the culture been? So, you know, if we use kind of our, our own wedding and our own relationship as mm-hmm. an example, you know, I was, um, I'm half Filipino, half Persian. However, I was born here in the United States and I was raised in a kind of white suburban community. Not, I was not kind of. I was yeah. <laughs> raised in a white suburban community, and I also was raised uh, Roman Catholic right? as well. So there was a lot of different influences on my life. Mm-hmm. And then you had your cousins who were 100% Persian. 100% Persian. They were born in Iran and came over to the United States when the revolution happened. And their belief system was very different than mine. I mean, they even spoke the language I did not. Were they very integrated in American culture? Or did I, they kind of stay segregated? I think they tried to. Um, but first, it was it was much more difficult for some uh, rather than others. Um, specifically, the older cousins, it was a lot more difficult for them. But So you fell in love with a white chick. I <laughs> 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 yes, yes. Um, you know, but, but there was the influence from my uh, cousins, the Persian side of the family, that I should marry someone Persian, mm-hmm. you know, which for me was more foreign than marrying someone who, who was white Caucasian or who was, you know, who was born in the United States. You know, that, that was much more aligned with your aligned culture. with my belief system and who I was than marrying someone from Iran who maybe even spoke the language that I did not. Right. And, pr- and practice Zoroastrianism. Zoroastrianism. Yes. <laughs> yes. That's a lot of syllables. So uh, when we're talking about... You, you didn't talk about what that means in terms of our wedding. Oh, okay. So our, our wedding was kind of a merger of a lot, right? There was the Persian faction. There was the... Filipino faction, um, and then there was, you know, your side of the family, mm-hmm. uh, which was very white. It was, you know, very white suburban, and it, I think that we did a pretty good job of, of representing everyone. Mm-hmm. We had a Filipino tradition. We were tradition. certainly willing to be very inclusive. Absolutely. We had a Filipino tradition, you know, incorporated. We had Persian traditions incorporated. And then it was a Roman Catholic um, ceremony. But even though that we were willing to be inclusive, there were several of my cousins who were very uh, opposed to it, opposed to the wedding. And they, one of them actually uh, refused to go. Mm -hmm. That was your closest cousin. My closest cousin who I had actually asked to be my best man and he had turned me down. And it, it was kind of a wake-up call to me. Um, I shouldn't say wake-up call. It was kind of a shock, I should say. You know, and it really gave me this perspective I did not have. You know, and that is that there, there is these, this opposing viewpoint and opposing, 
you know, perspectives. Well, when we talk about the concept of right and wrong, it's really a tribal concept. It doesn't really exist in the real world. It's agreed upon terms. So in our tribe here in the United States, we drive on the right side of the road. But other tribes like England, they drive on the left side of the road. And we came back from England just recently. And I got to say that that's um, driving on that on that side of the road is wrong. (laughs) (laughs) it was very difficult (laughs) you know so those concepts are sort of agreed upon and even cultures like the mayans they thought it was actually an honor to sacrifice your children at the age of 13 so it isn't even as you know morally justified as we would like to think but even if you you know didn't kill didn't steal didn't gossip didn't um, talk bad about people in terms of those right and wrongs that we are typically taught here, it's still when you get to your own personal life, you think there's still supposed to be right and wrongs, but there isn't a right and wrong when it comes to what career should you go into or who should you marry or how many children should you have or what food should you eat or what time you should go to bed. And so those type of personal decisions more now than ever have less uh, tribal influence and a lot more options that I think are tricky for people. I think it's also because the community within the United States has become a lot more um, diversified or minimized, I should say. Yeah, I think that, you know, when I was a kid, I went to a church and in that church were all my friends and all my parents' friends and we gathered often and that was our community. But today, most people are in their homes by themselves with their kids and they kind of interact through like my kids on a baseball team or my kids in gymnastics but those change every year and there's not like that unified solidity of community anymore or the value importance or even the time for it well you think about just our our own immediate family you know we have our son down in texas and then we have our other son and daughter-in-law in washington dc so we're spread out now across the united states and you know, our community is, is now just virtual, really, you know, for the most part. I mean, we right. see them during, you know, holidays and we try to visit them as much as possible. But, you know, our, the majority of our interactions are done, you know, virtually. Right. And so the community is kind of stretched. So when you talk about two people coming together to form a relationship and each one of them is bringing what they believe is right. So you imagine you know, someone from England and someone from the United States coming together and trying to drive. And one's on one side of the car, (laughs) and one's on the other side of the car, and one's on the other side lane and other, you know what I mean? Is that 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 difficult? And what you're used to feels so familiar that you are willing to really defend that. And I think that's where a lot of fighting breaks out because you're trying to navigate that. And I think in the beginning of marriages, there's some really big things they have to figure out, like how to manage money. Right. How to... The uh, delineation of tasks right, within the home. Right. Um, how to raise kids. Right. And so those really big ticket items, I think we're really passionate about them because we've learned those things before we were very conscious. Whatever were the traditions or the values in the homes we grew up in, it seems as though it's that way everywhere and it's not. Well, we first learn how to do those things from our primary caregivers, mm-hmm. you know, in watching them in observing them, seeing how they interact. Like for example, in, 
you know, during uh, holidays, right? And there, there are traditions that are created by our primary what, caregivers. What's the right day to celebrate Christmas? I don't know. Well, in your home, what was the right day? And the right day for us growing up was midnight mass on the um, 24th, and then Christmas Day, celebrating with opening gifts and um, having a, a party, you know, having family and friends come over. So in my family, we always celebrate on Christmas Eve because on Christmas Day, we went to my grandparents' house. Mm-hmm. So when we got together, my family was still celebrating Christmas Eve, your family was celebrating Christmas, and then Alec... Well, originally, yeah. your family was celebrating Christmas Eve, and then we would double back to my parents for the midnight... Midnight, it's not midnight mass, I think, at that time. We were doing just kind of like this midnight snacks and stuff, which is kind of a Filipino tradition. You go to midnight mass, you come home, and you'd have like these these sweets and, um, you know, treats and stuff like that. So we were doubling back and doing that, and then we were then waking up and going for gifts at my parents, and then my parents were having like a party later on in the evening. So it was like we were running all over the place. And then Alec also, we were taking him. Where were we taking him? Well, he would go down to Florida to visit his grandparents. So we would get him on a plane. Right. <laughs> yeah. And so we were, there was a lot of times we were just driving. Right. Somewhere. And, you know, and so wh- what is the right day to celebrate Christmas in our family with you and I and our kids? Well, we had to create that. Right. You know, and, and, you know, in the beginning, our immediate family was kind of lost in the shuffle of having to maintain all of these traditions of our extended family. And so over the years, we started celebrating on the 23rd. Right. And that's when we would have our, you know, opening of gifts within our immediate family. And, and now, it, now it's grown, right. you know, to a really awesome tradition, you know, with now our, our adult kids, you know, and, and we still, you know, celebrate by going out to a, a nice fancy dinner or cooking, up. cooking mm-hmm. a fancy dinner, dressing up. And then we celebrate Festivus. And then we've thrown in <laughs> Festivus, too. So, I mean, there's a lot of different traditions Our grievances. Now. Right. You know, but the point is, is that it's okay to create your own because what you don't realize is someone created what you learned to begin with. Mm-hmm. And if that doesn't become a priority in your primary relationship and you stay in this tug of war of the way my family did it is the right way or the way your family did it is the right way, then I think you end up losing what is the point of being married, which is that synergy of what's the best of one person's world, the best of the other person's world in merging that together. So I think people call that compromise, Hmm. right? They use that word of compromise. I need to well, I, I shouldn't say that they use that word to describe synergy. I right. think they use the word compromise to mean I need to give in to my partner or my partner needs to give in to me. Right. Right. And and the bulldozing is is probably you know, when someone when someone really believes in their rightness or that the way they know something, it's very comfortable and so we defend that. We get very defensive around it. And then you see your partner hurting, so it's easy to give in. It's easy to be like, well, I guess this doesn't mean as much to me as it does to you. But then I think 
it erodes the relationship. I think in the beginning of a relationship, it's uh, most often people are going to give in, you know, one or the other. But over time, that is erodes the relationship, the giving in consistently. You know, one person typically is the one that's going to give in. And that, that builds resentment over time. I remember for us, we were um, dating and we were going to get some beer. And yeah. you liked different beer than I liked. And we were trying to decide what we should do. Do we get the one I like? And do we get the one you like? How do yeah, we do You this? were into red beers at the time. Yeah, Killian's. And I think <laughs> I liked uh, Australian. Oh, Heineken. Yeah. yeah, that's right. And so I said, why should we choose? Why don't we both get what we want? And I think that's been a theme of our relationship is how can each of us support the other person so that the most of our needs are getting met at any given time? Well, that was, <laughs> yeah, that was really demonstrated when we got pizza. Oh, yeah. Right. And so it was like, well, I like Canadian bacon and pineapple. And I like shrimp, which I can't find anyone that even does shrimp anymore. Yeah, you were like shrimp and ricotta and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, yummy. And so we would just do half and half or yeah. we would get our own pizzas, yeah. right? And it, it's really it's really interesting when we, we tell people that because, you know, a lot of times they say, you can do that? Yeah, you can. You absolutely can. And, you know, I think the goal in every relationship is to, you know, help each other's needs be met. There's an exercise we used to do with people where we had them sit on the floor back to back and lock their arms, and then they had to figure out how to stand up, right? And they had to push really hard against each other's backs and straighten their legs in order to stand up. And it was a good representation of how if you allow that pressure to build, it actually lifts you to another level instead of giving in. Well, you have to find a balance point. Right. Right? And for mm -hmm. some people, you know, who are heavier or taller or stronger, you know, maybe the other person has to push harder you know, or they have to push less, you know, for each couple, two people doing that exercise, they have to find a unique balance point between the two of them. Right. And I think there are certain things that become much more important to one person than the other. And in those things, if they give in, that's, that's a really bad idea. That's where they're compromising their own values. Right. And compromising themselves. And that is, that has no place in a healthy relationship. I think the trickiest topic around that is socialization. How comfortable are you with how much time, you know, if, if the couple is not spending very much time together and then they're going out with other people and the relationship isn't really being fed, but there's, you know, girls night out or guys night, night out or whatever those things are that that energy gets invested elsewhere. Mm -hmm. Those are tough ones. And I think people feel like that's an insecurity to say, I want to spend time with you. Well, we use the example in explaining this. We use the example of, you know, an energy account, mm -hmm. like a bank account. And right. where are you investing that energy and time? And if you are investing the majority of your energy and time into other people, friends, uh, even family, extended family. Right and not into your primary relationship, well, the primary relationship isn't going to grow. Yeah, we see some, um, it's usually women, but sometimes men, who are talking more to their mothers than their partner. 
And that is, their relationships are usually not in good shape because of that. You know, that's the same idea with when you have a child and things change over time. You know, when I was a kid, it was normal that if a woman was pregnant, she would drink, she would smoke, eat all the stuff we don't eat anymore, like raw fish and whatever. And, you know, we were raised on, you know, Wonder Bread and bologna. <laughs> and today, you know, there's such so much more education that new moms are wanting to puree their own baby food and be as natural as possible or, um, you know, really watch what they're eating during pregnancy. And sometimes the grandparents are like, oh, that's silly. Just give them a chocolate bar. Well, I think this is where we see a lot of compromising happen happening in relationships where, you know, one person is just kind of giving in to the other person's wishes, especially when it comes to child rearing and child care, you know, which that is why we really encourage couples to stick with it, to communicate with each other. Y- you may even have to fight what? about different <laughs> topics to find that balance point. Finding that balance point is not an easy thing. Right. You know, it's like, you know, doing the exercise that you had talked about. It's like trying to, you know, push against each other's backs. You don't get it on the first time. You're going to fall down. Or running a three-legged race. You know, it takes coordination. It takes practice. And learning each other's strengths and, and each other's limitations. That only comes about when you attempt to find mutual understanding. You know, understanding about your partner and why things are important to them and, you know, what what you want to build together. I hear this a lot that someone comes in and they're so angry that their partner's not doing something a certain way. And then I ask them, well, did they agree to do it that way? Or is that just your way and you want them to do things the way you want them to do things? Right? Right. And I think people don't really stop and think about where did I learn that? Why is that important to me? Why is that not important to my partner? And I'll tell you this, if the other person is behaving because you've told them the right way and you've told them that they're wrong, that is going to blow up. That is definitely going to unravel at some point. You know, it's it's kind of a funny joke that we use when a couple comes in and, you know, we ask, you know, it's the right way to leave the toilet seat up. Or to leave the toilet seat down. I was always taught to put it down for considering women. But what if I wanted to consider you and put it up? Well, that would be really nice. Right. And we think, well, no, there's a right way. You should always put it down. But who else? And that's the kind of thing. It's like, why don't you have those conversations about not only what's important to you, but why is that important to you? You know, I remember when we moved into this house, I wanted a, a room for me because there was an extra room Mm -hmm. you had a room to do what you wanted with and you kept saying well let's make that room the guest bedroom and you know I had always shared a room I shared a room since the day I was born in my whole life you know I always had siblings in my room and I always had kids in the, the space that I lived in and I never really had a place and as a child my space I did have often other people were in and they were taking my things and there wasn't anything I could really count on that when I, when I wasn't there, my stuff was safe and I had a place that was all mine that was kind of a sacred place that nobody else invaded and took over. 
And so that was a really important thing to me. And I think that's really just because I grew up with a lot of people that might not have been as important to you. But see, it, it, it took understanding that in order to see that it is a legitimate need. Right. And in that way, when you find that out about your partner, then it makes it much easier to support that. You know, another fun uh, thing that we went through in the early stages of our relationship was changing the garbage can, right? Oh, the garbage can <laughs> example, yeah. So, you know, we're together and I'm never changing the garbage, right? And one day you got mad at me. Like, Why don't you ever change the garbage? And to me, it was never full. Because in, in our house growing up, what I learned in my tribe was, you know, when it was jam-packed and, and this was a daily occurrence. It wasn't like it would sit for a week. There were, you know, there were 11 people, people in the house. Yeah. And so after dinner, it was jam full. You know, you tie it as best as you can. There's still a gap at the top. Garbage is full. You take it out. How about in your family? Well, we had like a fraction of the people that you did in your home. And so, you know, when it got close to the top, you, that's when you took it out. And or three quarters. Well, it, it was so that you could close it and there isn't any space <laughs> when you're tying it. <laughs> you know, so garbage doesn't fall out. And, you know, so I got mad because I felt like you were just leaving that, you know, for me to do. But it was only in having that discussion and, and finding that place of understanding that... I went out and got a garbage can that closes. <laughs> that closes. You, you, you were, it was long before it was even full and your family does it all the time. Yeah. And you know, it's important to not take things personally. And when you have a feeling like you did about the garbage, like have a conversation about that because I had no intention or even an idea that that was a thing. Right. The garbage just didn't look full. It wasn't like, you're the guy or you should take it out or mm -hmm. that's something I don't want to do or I'm leaving it for you or anything personal. Well, we had a client where, you know, he liked to go out. He liked to experience new things and to travel and to socialize. And she did not, you know, she was more of a homebody and didn't like to be around crowds. And he would just sit there and fume and get really angry because the only times that they would go out together were the times that he initiated it. And he started to have this internal resentment that, you know, she doesn't care about my needs and she would be content to just stay at home. And if I didn't do anything, we would never do anything but sit at home and watch Netflix. And so, you know, encouraging him to have a conversation with her he finally brought up that topic and they had a really productive conversation, you know, and she was able to explain, you know, that going out with people or being in a social situation, it, it drains her of a lot of energy. And, and so he was able to understand where she was coming from and they were able to find, you know, not necessarily a solution to it, but if you understand your partner's point of view, then you can have some compassion for why they want what they want or why they do what they do. And it's a lot easier than to find a way to meet each other's needs from that place. You know, Carl Jung would talk about that, right? About that we actually, 
seek out probably very subconsciously something that we want but don't have we seek that out in another person we actually project that yep. onto people his movie on youtube called matter of heart he does a way better job of explaining it but we do these projections and then ultimately our partner can't give us what we don't have and then we feel very resentful towards them and let down but that's a really normal part about being in relationships right right and the ultimate goal is for you to if if you see that your partner is letting you down in a certain way or you think they are you really want to look at what what are you not doing for yourself you know and so you you do see that where one person is maybe more social and the other one's more shy and the shy person actually would like to be more social but instead of them challenging themselves and becoming that they think oh, i'm just going to attach to this other person and they're going to do it for me and that never works I, I think that kind of circles back to kind of how we started this podcast and talking about his way her way and our way right right and and i think that people get into this trap when they they just kind of do this all or nothing thing. Mm -hmm. It's like, well, if it's not going to be my way, then it should be your way, right? But they're, they don't really do the effort, take the time to create the our way, to really dig deep, to talk about things. You know, I remember when we first started our business and I had a different perspective on how things should be what? and you had a different <laughs> perspective on how things should be. And I, I remember the weekend we kind of locked ourselves in a room and just duked it out until we figured out the our way. You know, that was a really important time because I know we were both committed to it being the best and we had different ideas about what that was. But I also knew finding that that center point in the middle was going to be that thing. Right. But it's hard when you can't see the other person's perspective. And, you know, in our couples episode on Thursday with Ben and Kristen, mm -hmm. They do a really good job. They came from very different backgrounds, you know, and they had some tough. Different religious backgrounds, too. Um, yeah. He, yeah, she was Roman Catholic mm -hmm. and he was, um, I think, Baptist, I believe. It was a very, some type a, of, a much stricter type of right. lifestyle of religion. And, you know, those are difficult things that, you know, when you when you learn things as a child that you believe are bad or sinful and then you go out in the world and other people are doing it and, and there's that conflict within you. It's hard to resolve that. And we all have that. I mean, that, that might be a big example, like sin or something like that. But we have things that we learned. This is the right way and this is the wrong way. It's just not technically true. There is a way that we learned. Our first relationship is parent-child. Right. And when we get into an adult relationship, we show up as a parent or as a child. It's very natural, mm -hmm. I should say that, that most couples do fall into that pattern of either being the parent at one point or being the child at one point. And that is because that's what we know. Right. That's what was taught and, and patterned, you know, role model to us. And so we can't not fall into that right. pattern, but the challenge for couples is to recognize that pattern and to grow beyond it. Right. Which is, you know, what we teach in our workshops is how do you how do you know more than what you know? You can't. You can only know what you know. And unless you learn something new and explore, especially with your partner, your partner's your greatest teacher. They're the person that's going to hurt you the most as well. Right. 
but they're also can teach you something. And so if you put that effort in of really sitting back and going, why is that important to me? Why is this the way I think it should be versus what can we create together? And if you don't do that work, that is the number one reason couples at 25 years or longer in relationships end up divorcing is because they lack a common vision. It, it's actually a guarantee that your partner is going to hurt you. Absolutely. And that is why couples shy away from really buckling down and figuring out the us. It's vulnerable. It's vulnerable and, and it hurts. Mm-hmm. Right, talking about these difficult topics and trying to find that middle ground, you're inevitably going going to be hurt by your partner, because one person's going to get defensive, or take things personally, and you know things are going to be said where you're going to be hurt, and that's where couples shrink back from that. They stop doing it because you know who wants to be hurt or hurt someone else that you love. Right, right. It's like, you know, venturing into a fire. Right. You know, but that is, that's necessary in order to get to the other side. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we make it sound like you just have to do it once. (laughs) But that's not true at all. I mean, you're, you have to do this over and over and over again when new topics come up or when new points are met where you have to figure out a balance yeah, we've never gotten to the point where we're done. God, I can't wait until that <laughs> point, right? Well, then and, you're dead, I think. That's when it and, happens. And, you know, we just had our 22nd anniversary of being engaged mm-hmm. on September 9th. Right. Yeah, 22 years. Happy anniversary. Happy anniversary. And it gets easier, but in certain areas it doesn't. I think it gets more familiar I, I think yeah you're right it you know? gets familiar as far as the the pattern mm-hmm. of how right how we resolve right and then you're able to actually recognize also um, the the um, the places where we get hung up and and you know the pattern you know you're, you're gonna potentially take things to the brink <laughs> and then you move through that you know people don't break up because they're fight they're in the middle of a fight they they break up when they're calm that's that's the harder thing when they've emotionally detached but if you're if you're in it it can look ugly but that's part of the process it is not an indication that you know you're done and so i think when it gets that painful when we're in the middle of that there's always that thing in the back of your mind like oh we've been here before and then this is going to happen and this is going to happen and you know, we'll be, we'll be not, not just good again, but we'll be even better. And, and we've learned where we need to take a break and it just happens now kind of more organically Mm -hmm. um, than before in the past. And we're, as you said, able to kind of recognize that this is a familiar pattern. And, you know, I think when couples, they get scared of that, um, that's when they, they kind of protect themselves. They put up the defenses and the walls, and they are reluctant to come from within those walls, right? And they just stay there. You know, a fun exercise you can do with your partner if you are kind of listening to this and thinking, I don't know if we've talked about certain things. Act like a reporter and go interview your partner. And, and don't take anything personally that they might say. 
you know, and really ask them like, why is that important to you? Where did you learn about that? What were things like in your home growing up? And you'll be able to see them from a very different perspective and it'll help create a bridge that you guys can find a way back to each other. We want to thank you again today for joining us and listening to Couple Synergy. We hope that by listening to this episode, it's not only beneficial for your life, but also for your relationship. For all of you listening, please subscribe to our podcast and please leave a review on iTunes. We would really appreciate that. Um, If you have any questions, comments, or topic suggestions, please email us at contact at couplesynergy.com. Believe me, we, we take every comment and topic suggestion seriously. For more information about Couple Synergy and our programs such as Relationship 101, the Couples Weekend Intensive, and our premier program called Couple to Couple, look us up online at couplesynergy.com. And if you know someone who could benefit from this episode, please download it and share it. And thank you for listening. Until next time, synergize your life, synergize your love. You have been listening to Couple Synergy with Dr. Ray and Jean Ketkodian. Couple Synergy was recorded, edited, and produced by Dr. Ray and Jean Ketkodian. Voiceover and music entitled Breathe and Let Go was recorded and composed by Gina Gonzalez.